Hey, hello, how are you? This is a show for everyone else. Instead of going after top 1% of the world, we dedicate this podcast to celebrate the lives of the unsung heroes and self-made artists. Hi there, it is your host, Fei Wu, and you're listening to part two of the episode with Margot Aaron. Um, so, so let's talk about the space for a second. You live in yeah. Manhattan. It's, as we all know, it's a very expensive uh, spot, even for outer skirt of <laughs> New York yeah. in general. Um, so how big is this space? I mean, what? how did you find this space? It's not a physical space. It's virtual. So that's what's so amazing, right? So that's that's the point is that um, I have joined so many physical co-working spaces and you don't have that sense of camaraderie or community. I, I love it. Right? <sighs> <laughs> You kept saying it, but somehow in my, you know, it's so, and then I think L10BA is very yeah. much online. Very similar. Very similar. I wanted to, I actually, L10BA would be great. And we have a lot of L10BA people in there, um, but it it wasn't specific enough. I felt like even in L10BA, I was meeting people and I was like, you don't have a business. You're just awesome. But I want to talk to someone as a business. And um yeah. So I wanted to connect people, but the, the, the actual space, um, I would love to do more in-person events. Like this is, this is a promise I have to the community. And that's part of why I want to expand is you can't do that unless you have a critical mass of people in one specific area. And the people I really want to reach are the ones that aren't in Manhattan. I think it's really easy to connect here, uh, but I'm originally from Texas and you, it's hard to find people in Houston. It's hard to find people in Kansas. It's hard to find people in Montana or like places that don't necessarily have a startup culture, alt MBA culture, have a growth mindset type of people. It's hard to find that. So I have managed to, to attract them through my website through that seems important. Um, and I know that they're all looking for each other. So like my goal is just to connect them. Um, Amazing. and if I wow. a little bit with marketing, great, I will. But I, I think the, the connections, they, like they expect band business. They really do. Um, aside from anything that I do, like people are building partnerships, people are expanding their followings. We have one person who went from 10,000 to 60,000 followers on Instagram just by playing around. So she did a members only workshop for us on like what she did. And now she's helping other members, you know, it's stuff like that, that like you that outside. I, I mean, I never got that from a WeWork. It's, it was always like some formalized thing. And I know that is, their yeah. system and yeah, you're not yeah. getting real value. Yeah, I know the WeWork in Boston. I mean, I, I, one of my clients is there and, um, people are, I don't even see people talk to each other. It's the same little corner, people eating lunch on their own. And, but I love yeah. the physical space of it. Uh, that is so beautifully said. So yeah, let's, I have some questions related to the events, which, which you already yeah. talked about at a high level, like experts will come in. And so what is that general format like month to month? So like how many times a week and what are there the topics predetermined, mm. you know, or impromptu, or people just have their camera on like working, but there no others are there. I, mean, I tried that. No one used it. 
Um, cause like two people were like, Oh, I thought that's what it was. And I was like, Oh, okay. If you want that, we can have a constant zoom space. No one used it because mm-hmm. it's creepy. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so, um, so yeah, it's a really good question. So there's only about two things I have set in stone and then everything else is self-organized. So I always tell people when, when I interview them, like this space is what you make of it. So some people have actually never used the Slack channel, which is insane to me because I don't know why you pay for something and not use it, but they get lots of value because I do, um, oh, I didn't mention this. I facilitate introductions. So I'll one-on-one introduce you via email. So you're not coming in cold. And, um, and I'll match make you based on what you've told me some of your business issues are or things you want to know. So if you're like, I'm a developer and I really want to meet designers, you know, like I'll work with that, or I'm building a team for the first time and I don't know how to do it. You know, I'll focus on those things. Or if you're, you know, all from Colorado, you know, like, I'll oh, be like, wow. Wow. so, um, so that's one piece that they get out of it, but everything else is, so I have the expert interviews that is not set in stone. It's really based on who, sorry, it's set in stone in terms of every month that's guaranteed, but it's not set in stone in terms of topic because I have to schedule it and you never really know. So, um, and I'm trying to react more to the community. So there are things that I think they want to know, and then I find out they want something else. So I'm trying to work kind of fluidly with what people are asking for. So we've had, um, just to give you an idea, we had a guy named Jan Roos, who is a PPC expert. He runs uh, expertengines.co. Um, we had uh, the CEO of Bradford Crabtree, which is an SEO company, come in and give us the greatest chat on SEO. I ended up turning it into an ink article. It was so good. Oh, wow. Uh, and we also had Sarah Jones, who runs introvertedathla.com. She did an AMA with us. So we didn't have her do a workshop. We just had her like talk about how she, the frick she does this. Um, she runs a, uh, a coaching company for introverted men, like who want to find romance. It's just so interesting. It's like, there's no way that's a real business. And, um, and then this month we're going to have, uh, Eric Johnson, who's a friend of mine that works at the behavioral insights team at Morningstar. So he's going to talk about growth hacking and marketing and behavioral economics. So, so yeah, that's, those are set in stone and they're uh, recorded for members only. So if you can't make it, it's fine. But the value I think comes out of being able to ask questions. Um, wow. Could some of those be, so this is why members only makes the space very special and people want more, more likely to want to opt in. Uh, what are the likelihood of some of those videos be converted into webinars so that you charge yeah. and they'll maybe open to the general public? Is that even? I don't radar? want to. Like, yeah. I, I was I, hoping I that you would I say should. that. I know I should. I know those convert really well. Um, I want the space to be protected. Like I want it to be where you can talk about specifics of your business that you wouldn't be comfortable with in public. And I tell that to my guests too. Like if they want to repurpose any of the content, I, I highly, I I tell them no. (laughs) So there's occasionally I'll say you can use like a clip of just yourself, but, um, if there are my people in it, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. You do. I mean that in general, you you do need people's permission on doing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I want it to feel safe. Um, for sure, for sure. That is so fascinating. I mean, I really, yeah. So I, I was very eye-opening. I mean, I just feel like this conversation uh, is so helpful. In a way, it's almost, it's more helpful. I can see why people want to talk to you one-on-one or you meaning anybody of those experts yeah. within the group. Because people need, we really need this intimate conversation, this trust, uh, you know, this can happen without the recorder turned on yeah. too. And yeah. we don't have that anymore. I feel like the, it, the, the society at large is craving for this. And yes. 
um, you through this conversation, it gave me so many ideas because so many people text me and email me, you know, not every day, but these days weekly to say, how do you do what you do? Can I ask you a question? I'm really embarrassed to even post it anywhere on LinkedIn. Uh, so some are related to podcasting. A lot of them are related to freelancing. And I felt like, why don't I create a, and I, you know, in the back end, like it's so much work to connect people, you know, all the time. And I become the bottleneck, right? Like if yeah. I don't do my work and they will never talk to each other, yeah. uh, they will never know each other. But this is so fascinating. I mean. I feel like I can't find the right word right now, but the, the the frequency of what you know, what we're trying, we're talking about, what we're trying to do, even though differently, but there's so many similarities. It, it it's like this decision that we have to make on a daily basis of what we share and how do we balance client work mm-hmm. versus um, you know our own work. So it's on one hand, it's really compelling, you know, with my hour, my hourly rate is fairly reasonable. Um, It's not low. So to me, it's rather profitable. Every hour I work, you know, I I get paid. But I recently, I started to think, um, you know, this whole uh, hours for dollars sort of model that's no longer compelling. Um, I I notice my day with multiple clients are every half an hour I have a meeting and I can't really do much within those 15 minutes if I'm lucky, if the standup actually ends in 15 minutes. So this whole model shift, and I feel like you're really uh, um, uh, very much advanced compared to where I am currently. And just out of an you know, Alton VA assignment, you turn this this into a, a real thing. It's thank you, thank you for that. And I, let me just empathize with you for a second because I so get where you are at. Like, I I had to say no to a lot of money to get here. So I don't want to pretend like this is a walk in the park. I'm lucky. I don't have kids yet. Like, it, it I, I was fine to be able to do that, and I saved a lot of runway. But um say, you know, changing your business model. The first shift I made when I was at where you are is I just did project fees across the board. I did that about two years ago, three years ago, two years ago. And that changed a lot for me because one, I hated being tracked on time and it incentivized me to be inefficient. And I hated that piece. And sometimes I'm trained as a strategist. So sometimes I would spend like an entire day on research and I don't want clients to know that. Like, I don't want them to be billed for the fact that I read slowly and in depth, right? Like that bothered me. So just putting that in made me feel better and buffering it. Um, and then the other piece is client management is such a full-time job that it was almost more expensive with my time than the actual deliverables. So project fees really helped. But what I didn't do that if you can do this, then you will build the business I couldn't do, uh, systematizing my service offerings. So having like specific packages, what I did was I would tailor what I offered to each client, which landed me a lot of really big proposals, but it wasn't repeatable. Um, and, and it destroyed, I think the, our ability to scale. It wasn't smart because people would come to me. They're like, can you do this? And I'm like, I've never done that before, but I will figure it out. Mm -hmm. And 
that like it's it's a it's a cool like bootstrap approach but it's not actually a good way to run a business mm-hmm. you have to know what to say no to so learning how to say no to those projects really helped mm-hmm. yeah I like i hear you I think there's a, I mean, this is not to add more work to you. A lot of what you just talked about, you know, the mistakes you made from building an agency on your own to now, um, the things you're, what to say no to. I mean, these are such great articles. Maybe you've written them already. (laughs) I haven't gotten to them, but there's another part that I was going to ask is the list of software, right? Because virtual uh, working space is quite popular. Uh, We've witnessed that firsthand through L10BA. And then even they were so honest about, look, we're still trying to figure this out. And there were complaints about how WordPress wasn't running efficiently, was confusing or um, so, and then Slack. So what are the, I mean, you don't have to memorize all of them, but what are some of the, yeah. starter yeah. pack looks like for you to oh my god spin that's, i actually have this on my to-do list to go through yeah. so this will be gotcha um, i mean for sure wordpress you know i use wordpress so hosting um i'm not a designer so i actually have a, a friend who did some de- back-end development for me and ended up doing some design based on wireframes i put together so like i bootstrapped that but that would have cost a ton of money. And everyone who tells you, you know, you can do a drag and drop builder. I couldn't like, I'm a writer. I don't have good eyes. So like I, tr- I taught myself WordPress and design. So Faye, you'll, you'll laugh. But, um, I, I was like in tears trying to figure out how to oh. work Divi builder, which was like the easiest oh. one. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> Divi, Divi can get pretty evil though. Uh, sorry. It's true. Um, thank you. Yeah. Trying to simplify and actually make things mo- more complicated. Yeah, so it's much oh. better than not having it. I appreciate it in some aspects, but it's not a beginner's yeah. first roadie. Yeah. Yeah, now I feel better about my skills, but that was one of those things where I was like, you either, like, this is an inefficient use of my time. I need to outsource this. So that's one. Then you have payment processing. So I think we use WooCommerce and Stripe. Mm-hmm. Uh, ConvertKit, I switched from MailChimp to ConvertKit. So that cost me maybe 30 bucks a month. Um, yeah, why is that? Why did you but, switch? Um. Oh, that's a great question. A few reasons. Email is my primary channel. So for me, that's the most important part of my uh, business more than, um, more than my website, more than like any other thing I do. So I, I wanted a, uh, a software that, well, what was, what was MailChimp doing? Ah, it was, um, there's something called content upgrades where at the end of a blog post, you have like a, a call to action that says for more on this, uh, you know, sign up for this. And you'll probably see it if you guys look at my website, but, um, I couldn't do more sophisticated opt-ins with MailChimp and it wasn't integrating well with WordPress, like not in any way that was beautiful. Um, or even in little things like on Twitter, I wanted a link in my bio that went directly to a landing page and MailChimp's just looked weird. Oh, well, uh, MailChimp's landing pages couldn't be more minimum, but Squarespace does, uh, Squarespace does come with some, uh, cover pages, yes. template. Would you could? Squarespace is great. And so I also pay for Squarespace because my old business was hosted on them. So I have like my, my old boutique firm is on there and I haven't taken it down. 
Um, so I, I convert can also, it's amazing for email marketing. So if you are a blogger or someone who does one-on-one emails, not newsletters, if you're doing broadcast stuff, don't do them. They have basically no graphics, but for someone like me, who's a writer who wants long form emails to feel really intimate, the deliverability is better. The interface is amazing. Um, they also do, don't double count your subscribers. So in MailChimp, you have lists. Um, and if you have the same person on multiple lists, you're double charged for that. Um, ConvertKit doesn't do that. You just have like one giant list and they're tagged differently. So the backend's really friendly and their help is amazing. Their help is amazing. Like they're, they're built specifically for people with businesses like you and I. I think that's part of it too. I, I was on the fence. I just downloaded their trial version. I wasn't sure um, I was going to do it because I also started with MailChimp and I finally hooked everything up. But you know, in the long run, uh, I think would be more helpful. I mean, that list really goes on, right? And there's also lead pages. There's lead pages. Also in- I have Zoom. I have like those are those are like five hundred something. You know, like it ends up being it adds up quickly. <laughs> Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And especially if you're starting out, but obviously with your rate of more enough people, 20 people, that's already pretty substantial. Right. And yeah. if you can make that into a hundred people and that that's your easy six figure business already. So, you know, that, that wouldn't be a problem. So, so you got convert kit, you you're using Insta, you're using lead pages, lead pages. I love lead pages. They're worth every friggin' penny. Oh, wow. Uh, um, I love them. Um, I'm not a designer, so they have like a lot of really great built-in tools, but as someone who's a direct response marketer and copywriter, it's their stuff is using the best research. So one of the things I find that's a big divide in our, in my space, at least I think your space, I think we're in the same space, but <laughs> yeah, we are. <laughs> um, but, uh, is that there's a lot of confusion between what's pretty and what works. And, um, I, that was kind of my biggest point of contention with clients is they'd be like, that isn't pretty. And I'm like, but it converts, like you just have to know. And if you haven't been schooled with the right eyes to understand it, it's really, it's effectively UX. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and, uh, you don't know what that looks like. And lead pages has templates that are beautiful, but they're also maximized and optimized for conversion. So you can get an idea of how things work instead of, I've seen some really beautiful splash pages, but like they're confusing. You can't see the call to actions, you know, that, yeah. So for example, my follow-up question is based on, you know, ConvertKit does come with some of the landing pages, as you know. So this, yes. Right. So when, I bought lead pages first. What <laughs> is it? That's the honest answer. I bought lead pages first and then switched to ConvertKit and it was already paid for. So now I have both. But yeah, technically I wouldn't have needed both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Well, some, it depends. You might still need lead pages, I think, when you get to a place to, I don't mean the Tony Robbins and Tim Ferriss of the world, but when you have like courses, countdowns, you know what I mean? Like when it gets complicated, I really started, this was the question I asked myself for like two weeks already to say, when do I see myself jump to lead pages and Insta pages? I bought Insta pages last year. I built one landing page and didn't use it. Um, (laughs) You know, it's like, why did I even pay for the annual fee? They totally got me. They got me with their conversion uh, UX tactics. And I just, I couldn't help it. But I think for, you know, people who are listening, who are just starting out, start with the absolutely minimum um, software, but you need to know what that is. It's actually a trickier question. It's actually easier to buy everything and think that you have it all 
and try to figure out versus knowing that what is the bare minimum looks like? What is your, you know, capsule wardrobe? What is your capsule yes. software yes. list? Capsule software. I love that. Right? Actually, I'm going to, yeah, I've been like dying to write about that. And um, Me too. Oh my God. That's such a good reframe. It's so helpful. Yeah. Uh, and plus, I think there are some style bloggers who would like be all over that. Uh, <laughs> but no, it's such a good point because self-awareness is a part of this that we often dismiss as like, woo-woo-wee, personal development, like who cares? But like, if you don't know yourself and what business you're actually creating, we have these ideas in your mind of what you absolutely must have. And it's not true. Um, the things, the one thing I was right about that, that other people weren't was, um, AppSumo. So opt-ins are really important for me because I, um, everything I do is email. And so every developer I talked to, every designer was like, these are annoying. Like, can we please use something else? Do you hate this? And I'm like, nope. It works. (laughs) Yeah, I have Sumo Mia. I have a, that's like an incredible company, even though some people say it slows down your uh, WordPress site, your your website in general, because of all the APIs and the JavaScript they're running on the back end. But and I did email their support and they say, it's not true. And um, <laughs> don't believe in those, you know, <laughs> low page, low time. It's not true. But it's so smart. The stuff that they they do in terms of when to just before you're ready to leave the website, the pop-up comes up. I mean, that this just sounds like, you know, super intelligent. So yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's basically my my stack right there uh, is uh, currently MailChimp. I'm thinking about ConvertKit, especially after this conversation, a Squarespace, and then SumoMe, that's it. I feel like that is yeah. my capsule software. I, I absolutely want to continue this, but I also really want to talk about your writing. And let's go. Let's, let's do this. So my first, the, my first experience with your writing was, I don't even remember the assignment, but I think it was about writing something about ourselves that others don't know. And I told my partner about this. I told at least 10 other people. But I remember the beginning of it, which was, you know, my name is Margot. You know this because I just told you. But what you don't know is my aunt's name was Margot. And, you know, and we lost her. And, uh, you know, you talked about your um, heritage, being Jewish. First of all, I couldn't stop reading, you know. And it was so captivating. And there are many articles that I absolutely love the people who wrote them, but, you know, I really wouldn't mind going to grab, you know, some <laughs> croissant or some coffee or something to keep going. But, uh, and I remember just midway through, you talk about the almost uh, your lineage, and that is so precious that you're named after your aunt and the survival of your great-grandfather or your grandfather was a result of someone and it was as a result of someone looking the other way, of someone of lending yeah. a helping hand. And that just, it's something so profound, you know, um, about our life, about how anybody got to where they are. Um, but in your case, it was a, it was a um, survival ship, right? So uh, I appreciate that. I remember that post, and that was a, a hard one for me for me to write because you, you know you get a lot of scripts that go off in your head that say no one actually cares about this. Um, and I have one of the things I try and do is what would I like to read? And nine times out of ten, I when I write something and I look at it, you have to you know we were talking about self awareness earlier. You have to be able to get out of your own head of like what you want to say and get into the mindset of like, is this actually fun to read? 
Um, because there's, there's form and then there's content. And I think that we get really, really like people are good at content, right? We have lots of things to teach. We have lots of things to learn, lots of things to explain to other people, but how you explain those things is what really differentiates you. So where, where people tend to get stuck is they'll say, well, no one, you know, the world doesn't need another marketing blog. Everyone knows, you know, this about SEO or everyone knows this about PPC, but, and they are right. They're right. Everyone does know those things, but they haven't heard them the way that you have to say them. And that's the thing that actually sets things apart. So my SEO piece is a good example of this. And I'll get back to storytelling in a second, um, where the, the reason that it's spreading the way it is, is not because there's anything in there you can't find elsewhere. All of it is regurgitated. There is no new information in this post. Zero. Okay. Um, what makes it interesting is that I took the narrative from here's what you need to know about SEO to, okay, guys, I've been in business for five years and I honest to God have no idea how this works. So here's what I understand based on what he said. So it seems like you got this and you got that. And then within this, you got to do this, this, and this. Don't ask me why you just got to do them, you know? And like taking that tone of, of someone who, um, is confused, (laughs) who's honest who is transparent and who sounds like a human, you immediately can empathize with immediately. And that's what you want when you're reading something. You want to be able to empathize with the reader. It's not a textbook. If you're writing textbooks, that's different. (laughs) And I would say you should still use more story, but, um, in general, the reader doesn't want to be bored. You know, the role is to pull them into, into the page, into the story. And so, um, with the post that you're talking about, the approach I took was, um, it was very personal but I wanted to highlight specific stories because we remember those. We just do. You remember stories more than facts, period. We have, we're like story recognizing pattern machines. And, um, and I wanted a reframe because I think I look a certain way. I present myself a certain way. And I recognize that that is confusing to people. Um, for example, there are a lot of assumptions that I'm much younger than I am. There's a lot of assumptions that I haven't experienced hardships. There's a lot of assumptions that I'm very yuppie and preppy. And, um, like there, there, I know that these things exist about what I look like. So I, I like to reveal once people have made those assumptions that I'm actually only half American, that I actually am third generation Holocaust survivor, that I'm actually part of a minority, like that there are things that they can relate to me to, um, Well, that's so beautiful, you know. To me, it's just a fascination of um, right wherever we are, it's just a snapshot of, you know, who we really are. But then we are creating history and we can... We, we're able to make a difference and for people of the future generations to look back and, you know, see how we transformed ourselves. And I see so much of that in your writing because I, I don't want to sound make it sound so grand, but even at a very micro level of getting your posts and just have someone's day altered and to be able to think about other possibilities. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Listen, my being third generation it's part of what has driven me to the the path I've taken and part of why 
I feel so strongly that I want to make other people's lives better because the the story you referenced earlier about my grandfather is that um, the reason he was able to cross the French-Italian border was because, um, I can't remember which side, I think it was the French hated the Italians and this guy just wanted to say, fuck you and let him through. <laughs> it was just like, they should have refugees. We don't want them. Here you go. Piss them off. And like, it was that one time, I mean, in part it was kindness. And the other part was just some personal guy's vendetta, but that tiny action saved his life. And, and I think that, uh, you can do that in your business, no matter what it is. So for me, I have an audience, but if, if you have a client or whoever you have, like you have personal agency. That's the biggest part of my message is that you think you have no control. You have control. Like there are most of life you don't have control over. Let's, let's just start with that preface. But of the things that piss you off, like you have more options than you think. Like every border patrol guy could have said no to my grandfather. And this guy had an option to sneak someone through and no one ever knew, but you have choices in your life. And I love your example of is it not eating at your desk? Like the little things that you can do, um, because more and more, I think that that's what holds us back in business, in marketing, in life. It is that feeling that everything isn't fixable or figure outable. And that's what I try and convey. Like if, if there's an and honesty, you know, I think so much, we have this facade that everything's perfect. And I've tried to even do this in this interview. Like, I don't want everyone who listens to this to think like Margot has it all together. I don't right? Like you have to, you have to recognize that at some point you have the same power as I do to step up and make something of your life and make something of yourself and do something that affects the lives of others or whatever it is that's burning inside of you. And I want that to come through my writing because there's a trickle down effect. If you feel confident in yourself after you read something of mine, you will send a cold email promoting yourself. You will find a way to touch someone else. Like that's the power in being able to figure out how to connect, but you have to find your voice. And that, that was actually what you were, what you bore witness to during Alt MBA, um, being in the corporate world and working in marketing and as a copywriter for so long, writing other people's stuff, I lost my voice. I didn't know how I should talk. And, and I, instead I had data in my head where I was like, you should sound like this. And so-and-so says, you should write this way. And so-and-so says this, and it took a really long time of consistent writing, you know, year after year to finally go, okay, no, this is how I want to do it. And this is why. And there's, you know, we talk a lot about product market fit, and I don't think we talk enough about product founder fit, which is what works for you. You know, I like the conversational style. I think the Atlantic will never publish me and they would be right not to, because they don't fit there. Um, I, I think the blogosphere and online articles work really well for, for my type of writing. I'm probably more of the Liz Gilbert type of writing, which, you know, some people hate and that's okay. And knowing that your voice is probably going to be hated by half of the people who read it is also something you have to recognize. Um, and when you try and sound like what the data says you're supposed to sound like, or what you think you're supposed to sound like, you're never connecting. You're never, ever going to connect with the audience on the other side. You're never going to do it. You have to talk like a human. You have to write like a human. You have to connect like a human, but it has to be in your specific voice. I must say that I really hope you consider starting a, like a writer's workshop, like a writer's workspace in addition to, uh, marketing, Potentially, I think, because writing is so 
necessary these days. Most people can no longer write. And that's why when I started writing, I realized, okay, for 10 years, I wrote nothing but emails. And I was really saddened by that because I always loved writing as a little kid and I lost it all. So to get back into it wasn't easy, as you can imagine, but you also have this uh, this burst of energy and content. You don't know how to put it together, but you it's all there. And yeah. so I, I think there's really an opportunity for you to not just run any writer's workshop. Like we're just here to criticize you, to put you in a box, but no, like what you just did and what you said and what you're doing actively. If we have time to talk about your sort of writing routine, because you write a lot, you know, you post regularly. I see so, you know, maybe a couple of times a week, at least once a week, based on what I've seen. How do you construct B? Do you outline? Do you write? Do you go back the next day? I mean, when do you ship? How do you ship? That's a good question. Yeah. So first off, large chunks of uninterrupted time are built into my schedule. So like tomorrow morning, my phone will be off um, or I leave it in another room where I can't hear it. And I will not schedule any meetings. And for me, mornings are key. So having that time that you can just free write um, is key. Absolutely key. I couldn't do it without that. My articles that are good, <laughs> I will distinguish this, they get edited over time. One of the ones I'm most proud of is called Honest Selling Secrets from a Dishonest Man. And it got... Um, last I checked, it had gotten like 10,000 shares or something, which I know it was a lot for me. And, um, it was my highest converting to my website, which was interesting. That took me 40 hours over several weeks. It was a lot of work, but that was an article that was a guest post for someone that I had, that I had given them the topic in advance and I had some ideas. So that was one way. My weekly email is never done like that. That's a very different, it's much more alt MBA of like, this needs to go out. And that's because the role of it is different. The role of it is not, is one exposure therapy for me to get used to emailing people and getting crickets and not sending something that sounds like a broadcast and just practicing shipping on time and keeping a deadline. On a good week, I started on Monday. On a bad week, it's written that morning. And depending on whether or not my brain decides to come to work, it's good or bad, period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that is not what I would advise for people. That ends up with a lot of embarrassment, but it does, what, what ha- has happened as a result of writing with that frequency is you start to see patterns. So I start to see no matter what, people pay attention to the message more than the form. I see no matter what, someone's going to tell me I have a typo. I see no matter, you start to have this resiliency that you see the patterns and how people respond that it doesn't feel so friggin' personal every time you publish something. Cause that's what used to happen is that I, it would feel so personal that if you got one tiny criticism, even if it was warranted, you would be like, I can't publish anything anymore. For the two months. And you're like back in your cave. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so true. I mean, I really struggled big time. And as I've mentioned I don't want to say, oh, Jewish people are great writers, but many, many of them are, you know, and I'm surrounded <laughs> by them. Are so, you really? Oh, so absolutely. I'm very lucky in that sense because English is not my first language. And, uh, you know, I didn't go to an international school when I was younger. My writing not only have uh, typos I try to avoid, but there are also things, I guess, one, maybe saying something that I didn't quite mean that way, or the, the grammar is a little bit off. I'm fully aware. So for me, 
when I started the podcast, I have to talk like this in, in real time. And and then writing, at least got a chance to correct myself. Yeah. Oh, man, it's just like a stab in my heart whenever I hear feedback such as, oh, you, you that's not even what it meant. Or that, you know, you just, you kind of tense up yeah. and then you get this in this defensive mechanism. But now it's like, you know what? My readers got a lot out of this. I can correct it now. It wasn't the end of the world. And that yeah. took me, that yeah. feeling of to to be, you know, um, what's her name? Amanda Palmer. And like, literally, I can mm-hmm. just be out there in, in the open and yeah. be naked. I'm going to be okay yeah. with it. It's such a powerful thing. Yes. And, and I want to distinguish that between being fully yourself and being there and really caring about the quality of what you produce, even if it's bad, is so different from being lazy. And I think we confuse the two because if you're being sloppy and you're just like, I'm just going to post this real quick and there, there's an intentionality that goes into what you're talking about that's very different that I respect. And I think every writer would respect because that's how you get better. You have to keep producing. Um, what you said about feeling self-conscious, there are several different types of writing on the internet. And the type you're talking about and being out there in the open is much more about blogging and emailing than about having long form articles that go in the Atlantic or Wall Street Journal or, you know, New Yorker. That's a very different type of writing. And I think you have to distinguish between them because oftentimes what will keep us from doing it is we'll go, oh, well, this isn't, this isn't good because it's not Atlantic quality. Um, It's not supposed to be, this is different. That's why copywriting is different. But letting yourself be okay with that and making mistakes is difficult. So you do have to focus on, was there still value in this piece, even if something was misunderstood? And I should state across the board, it is bad form, and this is my fault, to not have an editor. Like, I don't have an editor. I should have an editor, and it's something I'm working on because those people can can look at um, a good editor makes what you mean come alive. And they they know what you mean, and they can put it in your language. Um, that's not a ghostwriter. That's different. Uh, but I, but I know the, the best writers I know actually work with amazing editors. I also want to add that editors sometimes need not to be the, the spouse or the close yes. family members yes, and friends, God. even regardless how smart they are. And I think it's the degree of separation is necessary. But I, I used to be really self-conscious when people would say, um, you're all over the place. I mean, they never said it to me, but they would say it to other people. And I would think, oh my God, is that what they're thinking about me? Because in a business, you're constantly pivoting constantly. And it wasn't until I met other entrepreneurs who were in the same situation where they're, they would be reacting to the market because that's what you need to do. And, um, if you don't have that, uh, validation, of normalizing all these weird behaviors. And I imagine the same for project managers and the same for, right? Like every single uh, field has this, it's enough to derail you. And I think sometimes that's, that's more important than talent um, to be able to know how to, how to navigate those pieces. Mm -hmm. You know, for the, the, the last few minutes, um, um, are there something that I you, you feel you want to talk about? It doesn't have to be any questions I necessarily ask. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I want to break the stereotype. I, I think if any of you are listening and you're putting pressure on yourself because your business doesn't look the way you think it's supposed to, or or even if you're in a in a corporate job and you think you're supposed to be an entrepreneur, like just don't judge yourself. You know, like 
Everyone who thinks that their life is supposed to be a certain way is going to end up being unhappy. You have to do what works for you. And I have met brilliant, brilliant people who are entrepreneurs. And I have met brilliant, brilliant people who are entrepreneurs. And I have met brilliant people who are thought leaders. And the more important thing is to know your strength and where, and and fit that with the world that you build for yourself. So if you're not a writer and you're listening to this and you're feeling pressure to produce more, don't, don't write. Like, get on Instagram and start playing with design or play with photography or play with audio. Like there are so many, or video, like there's so many different ways that you can connect with people that don't rely on what you think it's supposed to look like. So uh, that would be the message I'd like to leave people with of just stop judging the process and don't, you know, everyone says, trust the system, do my hack, take my course, like make up your own rules. The best things happen when you're like, screw it. I want to do it this way. So do it this way. And guess what? maybe you'll fuck up. You know what? Maybe it's totally wrong, but that's okay. And the process of fucking up and doing it wrong and rebuilding yourself is what's going to make you great. And that is the experience that people rob you of when they try and give you a course that teaches you everything perfect. There's no way to shortcut messing up. You have to mess up and that is how you learn. So please, 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 you take nothing else. Don't judge yourself. Mess up. And if your first version isn't something you're totally embarrassed by, you waited too long. I stole that. That was not original for me. Mm. I love it. I'm so glad you're highlighting the the courses and just I like when they say learn from everyone, follow no one. It's okay to <laughs> learn, right? If, if on one hand, all those courses are incredibly expensive anyway. They charge thousands of dollars, and if you're gonna just buy them and not watch them, don't do it. And yeah, there are a lot of free advice out there, so you know, no, not a single person is right. So, you know, it's okay to read this and that. But I think some people just spend a lot of money just to prove as if they're, you know, like we want to buy a few expensive things so we don't lose them and really treasure them. I get that idea. But if you don't really treasure that and it's just something you put on the shelf, then it's not worth it. Well, I, I love chatting with you, Margo. And hopefully I know this won't be the last time, but just want to close by thank you very much for sharing all your insights and you just so transparent and honest and it's so exciting. It makes me feel so excited to do what I do. Good. You should be. You do such cool stuff. <laughs> this was so much fun. It was really I nice know. to virtually meet you. I know. I loved it. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye. Hope you enjoy this episode of the Face World podcast. My team and I will be thrilled if you choose to write us a review on iTunes. It really helps to get the word out. Simply search for Face World podcast in your iTunes app under podcast. Click on readings and reviews tab and then write a review. The star review takes seconds or a brief text review will be fantastic too. Thank you on behalf of me and my team from Face World. <laughs>